Hello, welcome to Arcade Couch, the best place to chill with your friends and get your gaming goodness every Monday at 6am Australian Eastern Standard Time. I'm actually Hobbly, joining me on the couch today, Kira Marchant. Hi, it's me, on the couch, ready to go, roaring into my 29th year of life. Whoop, whoop. Uh, yeah, let's 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 do it. Let's, savor it, you know. savor it, because you know you hit that three o. You see, changes. I'm not. This isn't. You know, we're not. <laughs> I'm very much of the opinion, and maybe this is just copium for me, but like how people used to look at your twenties, I think it's now appropriate and normal to look at your thirties like that, because twenties sure. people used to be like, okay, you're gonna get your fucking relationship, you're gonna get married, you're gonna have start having kids, you're gonna buy a fucking house. Half of that shit's impossible nowadays, like, to do in your 20s. All 20s, of that shit is impossible. Yeah, like, it's still Except hard. maybe to, getting married. Maybe the relationship and, yep. yeah, that That's kind awesome. of stuff. But, like, I feel like 20s, it, it still feels like you're still learning what the fuck's going on. And you're still working that shit out. So I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about my 30s. So I, I do almost look forward to them in a year's time. Because um, it's really funny now that a lot of the people I look up to content creation-wise or, like, in general, are thirty-year-olds close to forty-year-olds now, which is fucking yeah. weird. Um, it's fucking weird. <laughs> it's it's very strange, and just looking at the yeah, just age and life in general, it's just it's peculiar as I get older. Numbers, am I right? Uh, on, <laughs> on this week's Archie Couch, we'll be uh, relaxing in the wake of all the showcases because taking you know, it easy, fucking taking it easy, and there's not a lot of news because. Because you know, well, there was all those showcases. So. Yeah, and and so Dylan's rode off into the sunset for the time being. Yeah. I'm pretty um, sure he almost died uh, waking again? up at three o'clock every morning. Again, uh, you know, he got himself super sick from what I believe. Yeah, yeah, but at least he yeah. knew that he could call an ambulance if he needed to call an ambulance. You know, it's always a plus. He's learned that lesson. Yeah. Uh, was there anything that you didn't get to talk about that you were super impressed by, like from any of the other? Showcases. Not really is the point. I think we did, yeah. we've done such a good job comprehensively. Um, I do think going back to it because I wasn't here. That's right. I missed recording for the Ubisoft one because I wasn't yes. in town. That's it. Now I remember I wasn't here for a week. Um, Ubisoft was a very dated show. And oh yeah, the actual presentation itself. The was. actual like presentation and like the show itself very dated. Um. I do think that Star Wars Outlaws, Outlaws need need something in its as it's presented to us more before release. It needs something to differentiate itself a lot more from Jedi Survivor and that game. Yes, it doesn't have a Jedi as a lead character, but it also has a woman, which apparently also has a woman, it. which is which is a great thing. And I don't know why some people pissed off at that. That's fucking cringe. But well, I don't have an idea. <laughs> They are cringe, um, but I, I just, I think I need it to, as gameplay wise, story wise, I need it to have a bit of pizzazz, a little bit of something to kind of make it stand out a little bit more. Um, would be would be good because even you know, uh, it is very close. Like even like the 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 lead character, she does feel very close to Jin Erso in in very ways ways, and it's only like. Mm. A, a bit apart from that character. It's very close timelines wise. Um it's it is frustrating that they keep going back to like like the 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 story timeline period that they're in at the moment is fucking um is the between movies five and six. Cause I'm like, guys, 
like the Star Wars teams are working on High Republic stuff. Like there is High Republic, like books being launched out. We're, we're going into that being more and more kind of prominent. Why the fuck isn't there a game on this already? Like, why aren't we bringing this out and putting it into a big um, a gaming space? Like, just to, to completely do so. Yes, I, guess, I get it. You don't want every game to be focused on a Jedi, but I just think there are other time periods that would be really interesting for the Star Wars team to um, explore. Uh, I'm also, I'm actually kind of excited for the Assassin's Creed. I think Mirage will be good because i kind of i've missed mm. assassin's creed not being like a, a stealth assassination game um yep. i i do think it's valuable for that to to go back towards that and maybe just be a little bit more i do hope it's a bit more condensed story-wise like I, I do hope that it's a more streamlined condensed story i thought it was funny that they've gone a bit even more wacky over the top with stuff like assassinations where you've got like that assassination ability where you can just like ping between four or five different people at once once you've built up and got that ability um but no i'm, I'm looking forward to that and i think the showcases overall i think i'm glad it is nice that we're out of them but i don't know how, how it, i do feel very optimistic about gaming overall in the next coming years like i actually think even just from the xbox showcase and then that combined with everything else the next couple of years of gaming, I think, could be in a very, very enriched period of time for gamers in general. I think we could have a lot of really high-quality games coming to all systems um, over the next two, three years. Yeah, I think, obviously, there was a lot to like and just, um, yeah, obviously, a lot of uh, big titles that you can get excited for and anticipated about. But then, you know, we saw a lot of cool indie titles as well that will be coming soon that you probably get hands on in steam next fest in the next week or so um yeah i think you're right there's a lot to be excited for um even though we know, kind of know what this year is kind of going to look like and we've got some pretty big titles about to land in the next couple of weeks so um yeah i think you know, overall it's been very exciting but yeah a lot of these show i you know i don't know how we did these three things you know several years in a row all these showcases one after the other uh Thankfully, there's like only a year between each each of this. It only happens once a year, you know. They bank them all up. It, so. it, yes, uh, but I think I don't know. I do think that even though as a whole we know Sony are going to be in a, a are always going to be in a good place because they built that goodwill. Mm. I do think for the first time in a long time they are on a little bit of a back foot presentation wise. Um, just with their yeah, I think it, being yeah. very lackluster. Which is, I, I don't think know. Very, I feel like I think they were just playing a diff, they have different plan. I think you know. What what, that would what, be my what guess. would you think their plan could? <laughs> their be? plan was, hey, we got Spider Man. That's all that matters. <laughs> Even Spider Man, right? I just <sighs> Spider Man feels very like. I think in any other year, Spider Man would feel like the marquee title for the year. I almost feel like it's. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like it is. It is a very. It's going to be a very close year for game of the year. I think. Really, you think? I think it's you don't going to be think so Zelda's cool. already got locked it up. I don't think. I don't think Zelda has it on lock. I don't. Okay. I. I. I think once again, any of the years Zelda would have had it on lock. Um. I think, depending on how Final Fantasy sixteen is received, depending on how Star um, Star fucking Field. 
Starfield. Yes, I was right. I was like, <laughs> I was almost going to call it Sea of Stars for some reason. I don't know fucking why. Starfield. Depending that on how Starfield, been a cool name. that would have been a cool name. Um, <laughs> depending on how Starfield's received, depending on how Spider Man is received, that's at least four big front runners that, or four very high well seen. Like I think Zelda, high profile, great. Yeah. Zelda is very high profile. Zelda has done really well in terms of gameplay mechanics and revolutionizing. I do think Game Awards especially has recency bias to it. Where I think the game... I uh, Where I think the game... Elden Ring came out like way early in the year. Elden Ring, I think... Elden thing, Ring, I think is... is... I, I'm pretty sure Sekiro came out pretty early in the year as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Sekiro, hey, Sekiro, nobody fucking expected Sekiro to win Game of the Year. Yeah. Elden Ring had Game of the Year pretty much on lock. And... Not many people were surprised about that. I just think, you know, the end of the year, you know, if the games are great and are good, um, I think we're going to have a very interesting award season. Uh, and and the, the game of the year discussions are going to be, um, yeah, because I don't think, I think there is some sections where Zelda falls down where I, I do believe the others will step up a lot more and, and pick up some some areas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, of course, non E three is not completely over. We've still got uh, I want to say Annapurna and something else before the end of the year. So, um, you know, stay tuned. Follow the article about non E three schedule. Um, there's also another Jeff Keighley show, isn't there? Towards the end. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, Gamescom is coming. Uh, yes. And there's also a THQ Nordic event in August, but you know that's it for June. As far as yes, of yeah, course. Yeah, is the next thing in June. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 30th of June, so it's still a while away. So have a bit of break. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of things in August. Oh, who knows? Nintendo might. Nintendo still haven't done a direct yet. No, yeah. and I need them to. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I need them to. Even though I've got some predictions in the bag already, I do. Yeah. Would really like Nintendo to. Um, to, to rock up with the director the next couple of weeks. So that'd be well we've got until the end of July. So like we got weeks. They're fine. We're good. Yeah. Right. Um You haven't played it, but I will quickly jump in here with the Final Fantasy sixteen demo now that I've mentioned it as that. Yeah. Um which you definitely should. No spoilers at all. Yeah, I think me and Dill are probably gonna talk about it on plat. Yeah, you if guys I play talk- it yes. between <laughs> You definitely should. Um it was a great two, almost three hours of content. Like, I really enjoyed it. It's a great mm. start to it. Um, I have heard people be like, oh, this is very Game of Thrones. Yes, it is very Game of Thrones. Um, there is a lot of different countries and factions involved and different names being thrown out very quickly. Um, and I think where people have been like, oh, this is going to be like the darkest Final Fantasy's ever been. You know what? They they're fucking right. It's brutal. Any cat, any anything that you feel you could be remotely attached to in those first couple of hours, don't get attached to it. Just don't. Just just don't. It's gonna go horribly. You're gonna have a bad time. I think there is even for people. I think that almost should be warnings at the start of this. It is the ending of this demo is is full on. Um, in a way that Final Fantasy isn't, and I also think in a way that not a lot of games will will go to that level and go to that moment. So 
Um, it's exciting. It's really fun. Gameplay I thought was great. Um, I saw some people online being very, you know, the usual people be like, oh, it's just cutscenes. It's really not. There's a fair bit of gameplay in there. Um, the combat feels basic for like the actual story stuff. There is a section that lets you jump into a later part of the game and play around with the combat a little bit more. Um, but I was having fun with it. I can see where the, the combat will build, where the characters will build. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited for the, the 20 seconds of this Thursday. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's going to be great. And I'm, I'm very excited and I'm very, um, very forward on this being a, a contender for game of the year. If it, if it pulls off what the, that demo has, um, has kind of alluded to already. Yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, positive comments about the the actual gameplay as compared to you know other Final Fantasy games, and uh, seem to be a lot of uh, non-believers jumping on board with this one. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to get my hands on it. Obviously, it's like the ter- first two hours of the game or the prologue of the game. So uh, and of course, all your s- stuff will carry over. So that's a plus. Mm. You know, yes, that helps. And that's the it's thing. A, that was the reason it I it helps with the the. the, the the thought process of is you know at least i'll get some time into the game first before yes I get yeah 100 percent. and you're not having to and it is legit like two hours i god i actually would have been frustrated if you had to replay that two hours not frustrated but like very much like a i just want to keep going and just left yeah. such a juicy interesting part of the story um that i just want to keep going and keep finding out what's happened and keep playing along all right uh one showcase that I want to bring up, uh, the Xbox Game Showcase Extended happened this week. Uh, kind of weird that they did it like two days after the actual showcase. I feel like they maybe should have given it a little bit more time in between. Uh, lots of information there, obviously delving deeper into different uh, events. Uh, they went into Cyberpunk 2077 Fan Liberty, uh, kind of uh, giving you a little bit more information about uh, the the black market or whatever it's called where you'll be spending most of your new time in uh there's going to be new high on life dlc remember that game uh, with the, the talking guns with, with the the one gun that is very curiously not involved in the dlc at all it's weird that they changed all the voices uh no so the <laughs> dlc is called high on knife uh and will i guess focus on the knife that everybody had mixed feelings about <laughs> uh next they also showed uh the lamplighters league which is a title that i've been interested in uh it's a pulp adventure set in an alternate 1930s which is both real-time infiltration and turn-based combat team management and more as you attempt to stop a cult trying to dominate the world i think it's being released by paradox off the top of my head uh Ooh, that's i saw like a random twitter ad i'm like oh this game looks cool it's like we've got no more information about it, but here's a video. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> so, I, I've seen the name Lamplighters League, and mm. I was like, "That's that sounds like a great name. Like that's that sounds like an interesting name." Yeah, it seems like it's a nineteen, you know, like a secret organization in the time of like an Indiana Jones or a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, so yeah, looks pretty cool. Uh, they dived a little bit more into Avowed. Uh, talked about uh, what, they confirmed that it's set in the same world as Pillars of Eternity, uh, but you don't need to play those games to enjoy this. There, of course, it'll just be some Easter eggs, crossover characters, and stuff like that. Uh, importantly, this game size was just discussed, and the Avowed will be interconnected worlds that will be around the same size as the Outer Worlds. 
So, uh, yeah, that's very promising. Okay. So we all like the Outer Worlds, uh, especially the length and size of the game. It wasn't some massive epic, and especially if this is going to be coming out in the same region <laughs> uh, as some other bigger titles. You know, this smaller one sounds like it'll be a good time. Uh, they showed off a game called The First Descendant, a third-person looter shooter. It's coming August. To, uh, no, a cross crossplay beta was announced for August 22nd. Uh, there was Towerborn, which is from the team at Stoic. Uh, an action-adventure game. Ooh. Uh, I think this was showed during the, the actual... the uh, Yes, I believe The so. showcase, yeah. Yes, it was. So this is the... Yeah, this is the side-scrolling one. Yeah, so I have to go back and uh, watch that. Fallout 76 got is getting a new event called Once in a Blue Moon. Free update. Cool. Hi-Fi Rush, <laughs> getting new content. An arcade challenge, <laughs> arcade challenge mode. Um, yeah. Did you ever finish Arcade Rush? I did not. It is definitely something that I should at some point. Same. You know, it's on that long list of things that like you know what I think it'd be great for? Old Dylan on his uh Asus uh whatever rog. that machine the rog thing. What yeah, a, yeah, the yeah. rog thing. The rog thing, you know? Uh hi fi rog. The rog deck. Yeah, there we go. The the rog deck. Um I think it would be a great game to chill out and play on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh then they did get had an interview about uh the next Elder Scrolls online de- uh expansion Necrom. Uh, Phasmophobia confirmed to be coming to Xbox Series X and S in August. Uh, they had a showcase on Exoprimal, including uh, delving into a new mode called Savage Gauntlet. Uh, this mode is about clearing missions efficiently and removing the main mode's PvP elements. Also, new alpha suits were variants were revealed. Uh, there will be an open beta. Well, there was an open beta. <laughs> From the 16th to the 18th, uh, of course, the game is coming on the July 14th and will be on Game Pass Day 1. Uh, there was, they had a ID at Xbox Developer Accelerator Program. They talked about that and showcased a bunch of the games that have uh, come from that program. Uh, they showed off the, the Dune expansion coming to Microsoft Simulator. Uh, kind of explaining how they got the Ornithopus Ornithopus in the game, you know. So that's coming November 3rd, the same day as Dune Part 2. Uh, they showed off a game called Go Mecha Ball uh, from Wildpeak Games and publisher Super Rare Originals is an action roguelike, which is switched between a mech and a Super Bowl form. Uh, showed some more gameplay for Lies P, which of course the demo was out for the weekends. Interesting fact, apparently people have been modding Liza P, the Liza P's demo, uh, with the Hunter skin from <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Blood really? Blood That's amazing. Bloodborne. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, you know, they're desperate. Desperate for the Bloodborne content, so I'll mm. just put it in there. Got to get know. it however you got to get it. If Sony don't want to give it to you. Uh, yeah. Nobody really wants it, so that's fine. A uh, little bit more information about the performance capture techniques used in Senua Saga Hellblade 2. Uh, they showed a little bit of gameplay for Lightyear Frontier, uh, which is releasing sometime in 2023 on Game Pass. Uh, some more ID Xbox titles were shown in the montage. 
Uh, and then they explained how exactly how 33 Immortals will be played. Uh, apparently, they'll be played across a bunch of different books. Uh, and apparently, all 33 players in the game will not be starting at the same point. They'll be kind of spread out across the map, which, you know, makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, you know, check out all the content, I guess, over at ExplosionNode.com. I, I do uh, will say, I really love... Um... Xbox doing this extra showcase like this, yeah, maybe giving it a bit of more, a couple more weeks would have been cool. But um, yep. it's nice to. There would be other shows that would cram some of this stuff into their main showcase, um, and probably would bloat it even more or make it pin down. So you, you know, even if you don't want to watch this extended showcase, you can go back and pick through what interviews, what stuff is yep. interesting to you from the actual showcase and um and and dive dive into it a lot more which i think is a really cool thing and i think maybe more uh, developers and publishers should be doing the same kind of things yeah i mean well everybody was raving about the starfield presentation but yes yeah i don't know if every dev needs to do that not style to of that level but no but what i'm meaning is like put out a, a showcase a, a trailer or something or like whatever piece of content in a showcase and then either on your own YouTube channel or sell it to Sony or Microsoft or whoever, chuck out an interview piece where they are talking mm. about the game more in depth so that if somebody who watches the trailer and wants to know more about it, they have a, a more... And I guess that's the the position that, you know, your IGNs, your Kotaku's, your media outlets... Yeah, like you us. know where the, those kind of yes. things happened? Yeah. E3. <laughs> yeah, at E3, exactly, right? With so, the, the stages where people can go and talk about the games. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. That's the thing that's kind of missing from this 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 Very season. So. so yeah, uh, it's pretty sad news. Uh, Embracer Group is closing studios and canceling projects in a major restructure. Uh, reading from Press Start, Embracer Group has intro- announced immediate plans for a restructuring program across the company that which will include closing a number of studios and canceling games still in development. Specifically, Embracer said in a press release that it will be terminating projects that are still yet to be announced and with low projected returns meaning it's not likely we will actually see the effects of this from a public perspective when it comes to games cancellations. Uh, the remaining company is undergoing significant reallocation of roles as well, resulting in jobs lost in other areas across the company. Uh, Bracer is doing this in an attempt to move forward towards a leaner, more integrated structure, and seems to be looking towards backing bigger and more commercial-reliable projects over the more liberal and scattershot approach it's had to date. It's essentially moving from full steam investment to a total focus on cash flow. It does mention that it aims to maintain creative freedom as part of its new, more comprehensive and centralized investment and review process, at least. Uh, I believe one of the big things was they missed out on like a big $2 billion deal or something. Yeah. Uh, And that was a major reason why these restructurings are going uh, ahead. So, yeah. Are you kind of surprised that Embracer Group, which has been uh kind of the sugar daddy of the industry for the last few years and buying anything and everything up uh is suddenly uh tightening its purse strings i i don't think so just because i've seen what's happened in esports lately as well um for anybody who doesn't really follow esports or doesn't know esports is going through a period where there is a lot of big investors or big companies or even big esports companies and teams that are just getting out of the, the scene. Even sponsors are at the point where sponsors aren't wanting to or willing to commit to new sponsorship deals in esports. Um, and this is just generally because 
the way things are structured at the moment in terms of financial stability are not sustainable. They there is a lot of especially from the business sense there seems to be a lot of people making promises that they just can't follow through with or can't seem to to make up on. So so many people are they are you know kind of falling and and failing and and it is making groups like in basic group embracer group kind of take a step back and be like whoa wait a second don't want don't don't really want to you know get involved in this right now we need to see so i'd be interested to see in the coming year or two how things like sponsorship deals how marketing how um general financial avenues of revenue for places like um esports teams media websites and, and companies in general how they how they change and how they are restructured because um in the gaming industry as well for an industry that is so young there is still a lot to do in terms of financial structuring and um, revenue streaming at this point in time outside of just the main developers and, and studios involved yeah i think um yeah it's they, it feels like they kind of like grew too fast uh and we're throwing more money than they actually had uh around especially with the most recent acquisitions of like crystal Dime, the square enix yes. western studios yeah um but then on the other hand they've had like a bunch of they bought up like a bunch of properties and that we have not seen any return on um you know they've got like a bunch of studios that we haven't really seen much of and they're not exactly a top tier company so they're not exactly no. ranking yeah. in top tier money you know what i mean yeah. you need um, your, you need your foundation you need a big success or something or, or to kind of build your financial foundation for the rest of your endeavors or the things you want to attempt to bring life and find success in yeah um also an interesting point uh also from the same uh kind of investor call uh apparently the new interim executive said the business must now prioritize pumping out lord of the rings projects ahead of other game ideas which might not perform as well we own lord of the rings we know we need to be exploiting lord of the rings in a very significant fashion and turning it into one of the biggest gaming franchises in the world and that's obviously something we're going to be doing uh guys let's is take this a, let's is take this a, a mistake minute, right? in the wake of uh <laughs> let's, let's take a moment to look at Gollum over there the uh i think there is things they could do with lord of the rings like i think they would make a decent killing if they've repumped out um the battle for middle earth 2 which is the strategy game based on lord of the rings i think they would do a real good if they made a remaster of that and just chucked it out there i think they would do really well um, I think if they remastered or remade some of the OG Lord of the Rings games, like the Two Towers games, Return of the King games, which were really fun games, it would make a killing just on nostalgia. Um, you know, Shadow of Mordor, uh, the, I think there is a lot to do with Lord of the Rings as a franchise, but they've also shown if they tread too lightly or they just think that resting upon the name of Lord of the Rings is going to do enough, they just need to look over at the what you know was a terrible Lord of the Rings game um, in the Gollum game. Like that was mm. 
not only terrible in what was released, but you know, as as I mentioned the weeks before it was came out, when I realized it come out, the marketing team or the developers or just everybody involved knew that was a bad game. They knew they were putting it out to die because there was little to no fanfare for it. There was little to no marketing done. I barely heard of it beforehand. Other than you know uh, that six to eight month period beforehand, where games are generally start to ramp up into marketing, they just went silent. And I think, yeah, maybe bringing out the Lord of the Rings pony to trot right now isn't necessarily the way to go. Yeah, kind of looking at what they've got. Um, I mean, it's definitely the biggest name franchise they've got. Um, but, you know, yeah, I feel like the Lord of the Rings well has kind of been explored like a fair bit, unless you're making sequels to those kind of games. Um, of course, you've got that Minds of Moria game that's coming out, which which I'm be, excited for. Should be a that lot could of be fun. interesting. You know, a lot of fun. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't think there, in my mind, is a game changing million dollar, you know, Lord of the Rings game that they could be making. You know, um, I think they could be if they decided to actually invest the time into making something akin to what they did with Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor, in terms of investing a fully-fledged game that is something completely different, that is in a time period or an area of Lord of the Rings that hasn't been explored, that they market it well, they do interesting systems with it, um, that they they come out with it and do like a big push on it. But that's something that's going to take years, like four, five, six years to develop and make. More there realistically, is, what yeah. they're going to do is Lord of the Rings skins coming to Fortnite. <laughs> Most, you know what? Sure, just do it. Make, <laughs> grab that money. Um, everybody else is doing it. You may as well at some point. You know, um, a Lord of the Rings mode in Fortnite. That'd be pretty. Cool. No, no projectile weapons except the arrows. There'll be like one person. No, there'll be like the they did the. It's all melee. <laughs> no, no, no. They did the the Thanos gauntlet in. Fortnite previously, they should do something like that again, but with the one ring. Where in the map there is mm. the one ring somewhere. The and then you go invisible. <laughs> you have to go. I don't know if you go quite invisible, it but like you, it, it does something, and then yeah, um, that'd be kind of cool. Or everybody else turns into a ring wraith, and they have to chase the person or find the person that has the ring. That'd be sweet. Um, that would be yeah, very cool to do within side Fortnite. So if you want to do that with your Lord of the Rings, do it. But I just I don't. <laughs> I don't believe there is anything with Lord of the Rings you could just be like, boom, million dollars, easy peasy in a short period of time. Yeah, there's no massive cash cow that's uh, Yeah, there's apparent. no there's no quick and easy. You're not going to make a, a Lord of the Rings card game for mobile that's going to be great as Marvel Snap, you know? You're not going to do something like that. No. Um, yeah. All right. Next story. Uh, Twitch has been enraging all no. the streamers. Again, with convoluted new revenue share programs. Reading from Kotaku, uh, Twitch midlife platform crisis continues. After rolling out controversial new 50-50 revenue splits for top streamers last fall, the massively popular online gaming hangout is now announcing a new Partner Plus program that will return certain channels to the previous 70-30 split, but with a ton of caveats, it's already not going over well. Uh, we want to do. We want to help streamers keep doing what they love, so we all... We can all keep loving what they do, Twitch tweeted on the 15th of June. Today, we're announcing the Partner Plus program, a new program for streamers to build towards 
Uh, as they continue to grow their business, uh, began the po- blog post that linked to from there, it outlined how the new program will work when it launches in October, including a bunch of hyper-specific details. To qualify for the Platinum Plus, streamers will have to already be an existing Twitch partner and maintain at least 350 recurring paid subscriptions, not gifted or prime ones, for three consecutive months. They will then automatically be enrolled in the program for 12 months, at which point they'll get to keep 70% of every cent, every seventy percent of every subscription, including gifted and prime ones, but only up to the first 100,000 uh, US dollars, so 138,000 Australian. After that, revenue goes to 50-50. It seemingly aimed at throwing a bone to a very particular subset of big and growing streamers to prevent them from leaving the platform while not really changing much for anyone else. While some current reactions to the platform see it as a promising first step, others are treating it like little, too little, too late. (laughs) Uh, Kieran, you're a big Twitch or online content person. What is up with Twitch? Because they seem to be fucking up um, a lot. <laughs> Twitch is... Okay, so to give some context to this as well, I saw a tweet today that with this new proposed system, out of something like 44,000 Twitch partners that they currently have on their system, this will help 1,006 of them. That is, like, like of the... Like, this is, once again, small streamers are not having a good time. And I think we're, we're at a point with Twitch where Twitch is... I guess streaming in general and the content creation in general is a big, it's a very weird place right now. Um, you probably didn't hear of this, socks, but uh, the biggest stream on Twitch for the last three years, XQC, signed went a, to this kick thing. Went to kick, um, which is a scary platform. Um, which is two. The big two thing years. is like right, it's a it's XQC problem gambler, right? Now he's going to a a gambling, a gambling pro- pro- website. Pro- yeah, and and yeah. so this is the scary thing. So he's on a a two year two year deal non. A two-year non-exclusive deal on Kick for a hundred million dollars. That's ridiculous. That is good for him. But good ridiculous. for him. Good for him. Um, to put it into account, and like this does change in terms of, but the base rate that LeBron James is paid for a year in NBA is ninety-seven point five million. That does have a bumper up to one hundred and ten million, so it's a little bit different. But in in the base rate, they actually just paid more than LeBron James. Um. When you look at this deal, it's fuck yeah, it's a technicality, but it's, it's very, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's apples and oranges, apples and um, oranges. But but when you're putting it in perspective of somebody sitting at home playing video games, or this, this case, it'll be somebody home gambling because so Kick and we're going off script, but I do want to talk about this. Kick is ahead. a stake.com backed website, um, and. What is scary about him being paid $100 million is from Stake's point of view, that is $100 million they're going to earn back from him through their gambling website. And XUC, is a, his audience is a very younger audience, and that scares the shit out of me personally in terms of those people and their access and their influence towards gambling from an early age in a place that isn't regulated for gambling and stuff like that. I think that's very scary. Um, I think Kick itself is an interesting point. I think that Kick does some things really well in terms of they are really open and enabling to new streamers. They do, I think they have a 90-10 split for everybody. Mm -hmm. As soon as you start, streamers get 90%, Kick gets 10%. It doesn't 
at the minute, when you look at it, Kick is definitely operating at a loss uh, because it's not an ad-friendly website just because of very limited TOS. The the faces of the Kick website and Kick brand in terms of Aiden Ross, um, Trainwrecks TV, and a couple others aren't very reputable people in terms of goodwill. They've, they've both... Trainwrecks just got his Call of Duty. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's not Trainwrecks. I'm thinking of Nick Merckx, but Nick Merckx has gone to Kick yep. as well, I believe now. But... Um, like it, it is, it's a scary place, and people say some really horrible shit on Kick, and the Kick communities don't seem to be that great. But when you look mm-hmm. at it, when you look at it from a terms of what is going on at Twitch, Twitch is all over the fucking shop. Twitch two weeks ago or three weeks ago announced that they were putting in new rules and restrictions around sponsorship in um, Twitch yep. streams that streamers were no longer allowed to have sponsorships displayed on their stream that was bigger than three percent of the stream screen and that they wanted sponsorships to start coming through twitch for this for their streamers so twitch could take a piece of the pie every time that was met with great outrage and twitch very fucking quickly walked that back and if you look at it youtube actually has a very similar policy in their background but they don't enforce it um (laughs) it's i think twitch is at such a an awkward teenage phase of its life span where it's trying to become this marketable, profitable business. And to do that, it is not trying to market itself better. It's not trying to improve itself as a platform. It's just trying to change how it's controlling its creators to, to be a part of this. So like the entry point to this, like say for instance, the entry point to this um, to get the 70-30 split is you have to have a recurring 350 subscribers for three months in a row. But of those 350... Paying sus- subscribers, not... Paying subscribers. So of those subscribers, they can't be Twitch Prime and they can't be donated by other people. Like this is 350 individual people all paying for your stream for a period of three years. Three months. Uh, three months. And it's also in a 12-month period. So... Yep. Once that 12-month period is up, you have to do it again for three months. And if you have a down point in that three-month period, you're going to lose that revenue split. Um, I think as a whole, Twitch is, is Twitch is panicking or it feels like Twitch is panicking or Twitch is going through a lot of change due to competition and pressure outside of the organization. Um, due to And, and it's made a lot of controversial and, and um, takes recently. And Twitch has existed on its own island living it up that it was the best of the best in terms of streaming because for the last couple of years, YouTube has only recently just started having a crack at streaming properly mm-hmm. and Facebook. And then of course, uh, Mixer happened and yeah. Twitch has been very comfortable with the fact that it was the number one dog. It was the number one in the yard and they could do whatever the fuck they want because people needed to kind of come to them and, and work with them for it. Um, they've made a whole bunch of just weird decisions um to the point where like they had um they changed it so partnered so they made a thing where one of the streamers or one of the world's former largest streamers ninja didn't partner with twitch anymore so that he could stream on multiple platforms at once because if you are a twitch partner you're you're exclusive to twitch you can't stream anywhere else whereas ninja wanted to be able to stream youtube tiktok twitch anywhere else you want to do facebook live um but now they have sneakily changed in the tos that you can't 
um, simultaneously stream on uh, platforms other than Twitch at the same time. So even though he's not even partnered with them now, he can't do it. And, and that's kind of changed his lifestyle. I think Twitch is making a lot of decisions around its marketing, around its communities that are very fucking weird. Um, and I think we see it more and more where, you know, I think people saw it as a positive recently that the CEO of Twitch just started streaming himself and talking with people, interacting with people. The CEO of Twitch had a interview with a uh, VTuber recently, which is was seen as a step forward, but Twitch as a company just seems to be very tone deaf and very unwilling to cooperate and work with its creators and with the people that bring in the audiences that fund the website. Um, and, and yes, it's very much driven probably from the Amazon side of things in terms of wanting Twitch to be a profitable venture. Um, but yeah, it's really not. And um, yeah, it's just a bit of a nice spot at the moment. Yeah, it's definitely as someone not involved, it's like very weird um, that, you know, I, I still think Twitch is probably, you know, the it's the reputable brand. You know, if you're going to stream, you stream on Twitch because Twitch is um, probably still the best platform, I'd say, for users, would you guess, say, or? Um, like for people experiencing For people experiencing it? I don't even know. Yeah. I guess now that more and more, other than Kick being a weird onboarding site for gambling, I think Kick has a, a chance to. But well, it's got a shitty community on my own. It's got a toxic community. It loves, yeah. But that generally comes from, and you can't really say that as a blanket statement, but that, that comes from the fact that its largest streamers are generally quite toxic people mm. um, or, or tend to kind of brew that toxicity. Um, I think Twitch is still, still, yeah, Twitch would still be number one in that term, but I don't think it's a very comfortable position and I don't think it is uh, a position of... of you know, being forced into it or having no other choice anymore. I think very much so. You know, it was funny that um, with XUC's with XUC signing on to Kick, uh, Kick's website went down because of the amount of people on the website. Mm. Which is it shows that they weren't prepared for that increase um, yeah. and for the just the amount of change that he was going to bring. But at the same time, it's like shit. You know, XUC really was the largest streamer on Twitch. And he's now just gone somewhere else. You know, in wrestling terms, it's like jumping from WWE to AEW or back in yep. the day, WWE to WCW. Like it is a very mm. interesting period and, and we will uh, we'll see how it goes going yeah. forward. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like how will his entire audience go over to kick? Most likely. Or will they just move, or, you know? Yeah, I think it well it just depends on how much. Or will he's they go to kick? some other smaller trainers? you'd hope so but i don't i don't think so and, and no, that's part of me is works. like and part <laughs> of me you're like do you want some of them going to other streamers um yeah is um it's an it's an interesting one and we'll see how it plays out over the coming yep. weeks it could be very much the same thing with xcc that happened with shroud and ninja and of course xcc can, can oh, still yeah, so stream on twitch it's a quick but- gonna die in like the next Three months? Well, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? With oh, we're going to pay this $100 million. Dollars. We don't, you know. Exactly, right? Like, it's... Well, that's the thing. Uh, the crypto Mixer, market just drops out. And then, Mixer you know, still like, paid fucking... Mixer still paid Ninja well, and Shroud their contracts. Yeah, it was Microsoft. That was a bit of yes, a difference. So. a little bit different. Yes. All right. Next story. Overwatch story missions. Uh-huh. Cost 21 Australian dollars. 
Despite gaining a PvE mode, Overwatch 2 is still going ahead with some story-based missions. After showing them off earlier this week, we now have some details on how much they work, how they're going to work, and more importantly, I guess, how much they're going to cost. They're going to cost a minimum of $21, uh, or $56 for a bigger download. Uh, look, I know, reading from Kotaku, uh, sorry. Uh, look, I know video game development is expensive, and this is a free-to-play game, so money has to be made somewhere, but hmm? Overwatch so- fans drawn to, in a large part, to the game for its story, lore, and characters have put up with many missteps over Overwatch 2, but charging $21 for three story missions is certainly asking a lot, and the backlash taking mostly taking place mostly on social media since Reddit is bust has been swift. Uh, so, this is the announcement from Blizzard. In Overwatch 2 Invasion, you and your friends can take on three action-packed missions that take place in Rio de Janeiro, Toronto, and Gothenburg. Massive maps with complex objectives and an in-depth storyline that will guide you along the way. You'll fight against the intensified forces of Null Sector, who will continue to attack until you've completely dismantled them. Stay alert for challenging enemies that haven't been encountered before, such as the powerful L Artillery and the Deadly Stalkers. You can get started on your mission to save the world with the Overwatch 2 Invasion Bundle for $15, uh, $21. Uh, this bundle includes permanent access to the Overwatch 2 Invasion Story Missions, Hundred uh, a thousand Overwatch coins, uh, which is equivalent of fourteen dollars worth of value. Uh, a brand new Sojourn legendary skin. Yep, you got it. Twenty six dollar value. Permanent access to Sojourn as a playable hero for new players, unlocked upon completing story missions challenges. Uh, the Overwatch 2 Invasion Bundle is intended to give new and veteran players alike the opportunity to explore this brand new story arc while giving them additional coins to unlock the premium battle pass or to buy cosmetic content for their favorite hero. Uh, you can also get the Ultimate Invasion Bundle, uh, in which you get the Null Sector premium battle pass with 20 battle pass skips, uh, initial 1,000 Overwatch coins, and two legendary skins for casting Kiriko. Kieran, as someone who has given up on Overwatch 2, what do you think of these? Uh-huh. Um, so, interesting point of view, that Kotaku has fucking missed this entirely. And um, is a very dodgy marketing strategy that's working very well for Blizzard. Mm. So everybody can play these game, play these story missions without pay. <gasps> so these bundles are only for permanent access to the story missions. Oh, okay. So like every other fucking um, every other story mode that we've had or things that we've had in the Overwatch community, generally they're for like a period where they're like three weeks and you can play it as many times as you want throughout that three weeks and then it'll go away. So paying for this is only so you don't want to keep it. If you if you want to keep it so you can play it anytime you want going forward. Mm. So where it's like all doom and gloom where people are like, oh, to be able to play it, you gotta, you gotta get the bundle and, and, and how it's advertised is you have to pay for this bundle to get access to it. It isn't the case. Everybody can play this. Um, it is. It's just a way of them trying to bundle it up with a bunch of other stuff um, to to make some money, which I think is a, a very almost a predatory marketing action in itself. In terms of making it seem like people need to buy this, and I would be interesting to know how many people buy this with the belief that they need to buy it to be able to play it, whereas. Okay like what is the the belief because this is even the way that kotaku article reads 
is that you have to buy it to play the story mode. That that you have to invest your money and your time to be able to play it. It's not just permanent access, which is the truth of the matter. It is access at all is the way the avatar way it's being spoken about by people and, and yeah, even people in the media. So it's very fucking look, <sighs> Overwatch is in a very fucking weird spot. Uh the fact that you like within like a couple week period, you go, Hey guys, PVE is kind of dead with how we wanted it to be. All the stuff that we promised you and you got excited for, gone, not going to happen. It's dead. And everybody goes, oh, it's dead. And then at the Xbox conference, like a week later, they're like, hey, guys, story content. You're like, what the fuck? What is even going (laughs) on here? What are you doing? Like, It felt like such weird whiplash that it's like, okay. So, and this is the thing. These events, unless this is some marvelous change in how they do them these events have been getting done since the start of overwatch in terms of like little pve like little very basic story missions where you're playing as set characters and you're fighting waves of cpus or whatever and that's all this seems to be um i i'm disappointed with overwatch it makes me fucking sad i had such high hopes for overwatch 2 and i was so excited for overwatch 2 and it's it being the game like Valorant, like Apex, being a game where it's getting things that are up to date and getting new things in there. And it's just not that anymore. You know, in the last... But it is. You are getting stuff. But you're you're getting cosmetics and stuff, but you're not getting... Like, it just doesn't feel like the devs are You're getting story missions. Kind of, but not what they promised. What everybody was fucking, you know what? What everybody was fucking hyped for was this trailer that was released in 2019, where it was like, during the story missions progress, you get to choose what skills your characters get and how they change through the skill trees. And then there was this fucking shot of Reinhardt jumping off the fucking platform, hitting his hammer on the ground like his ulti, and it went 360 degrees fucking everywhere and everything fell over. And everybody was like, holy shit, balls, what the fuck? Um, that ain't it anymore. That isn't happening. We don't do that anymore. Um, the only thing that that Blizzard actually seems to give a fuck about in terms of presentation is their skins. You know how fucking mad I am that the best mythic skin, which is like the most important skin or like the highest skin of any season, has come out after I fucking quit the game. They currently have like this fantasy RPG, tra- RPG tracer that like yeah. levels up as you go through the battle pass. Looks fucking awesome. I'm so mad that I quit and I they've now decided to bring that shit out. Like that's fucking well, you can, annoying. You can choose not to quit. Fuck no, I can't. <laughs> I've uninstalled the game. The game is fucking gone. It is it's, it's the, free. <laughs> you can reinstall. I don't want to install. That's the thing. That's, that's the, <laughs> I just don't want to. Like like I've been playing Valorant the last like month or two and I've been watching Valorant esports most days. Valorant Masters Tokyo is on at the moment and it's on in Australia at a great time. From 12 to like 6 p.m. every day. I just have it on in the background of my life. And it's fucking great. And it's really fun. And Riot seems to give a fuck about its game. Like, it, it, it just... Mm. Uh, it, that is the big thing about it. And I don't know how much of Blizzard Activision's current position and everything going on with it is affecting it. But Overwatch just seems to have no fucking leadership. Nobody who cares enough to, to lead it in a good direction. Nobody that wants to f- say what this game actually wants to be. The competitive side of this game is a mess. Um, 
it's it's really sad. You know, I have fucking I was thinking about this the other day. I have esports jerseys of Overwatch League teams sat in my wardrobe. Like it, it's mm. to the point where I have jerseys of with like players' names on the backs of, and I just don't care for the esport anymore. I just don't care to tune in. It's 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 fucking sad. Like it is something that I'm like, even though I'm angry about it and I'm frustrated, I am actually sad overall about the state of Overwatch and the the, the presentation of that game overall. It is just, I don't think it's good, and I think it's it's overall it's a failure in my eyes. Like it's probably making fucking great money for Activision Blizzard, but I think compared to the game that they promised and and the the hope there was for that game. I don't I don't think there is anymore. At least for me personally okay. speaking. Of course yeah. this is all an opinion. Yeah. Okay. I have one last question. Go Do you think it. Overwatch 2 is in a better position now than Overwatch 1 was before Overwatch 2 launched? So do you mean you know at the, like its end of its life cycle? Yes. Yes, just because at the end of its life cycle that hadn't had content for two and a half years. Yes. So you're in a so, better position than you were? No. Because fucking <laughs> anything would have been better than that. Yeah. Like, like, like that is such a shit viewpoint. <laughs> that legit anything. And then, you know what? That pisses me off even more. They they sent that game, which was game. You know, oh, this is. Have I ranted about this on this show? They Overwatch devs came out and said that Overwatch 1 was a fucking accident. Yeah, we've talked about it. We have talked about this good because it fucking shits me. But this is what makes this even more annoying. That they let that game die for two and a half years of no content for this. For everything that's going on right now and they're under-delivering on what they promised and everything that they said. It's yeah. fucking insane. It is yep. just... Uh, yeah, it's shit. I know. It's kind of interesting, like, this week also, uh, I'm going put it in the show notes, but there was that story about Titanfall 3, that apparently they'd been working on it for 10 months. Yes. And they're like, we could keep doing this, but it's not going to be much better than Titanfall 2 was. Or we could just go pivot and do this other thing. And it feels like Activision Blizzard had that same decision. <laughs> like, we could put this out. It's not going to be as good. It's not going to be that much better than Overwatch. But it's, uh, it's, and then they kept doing it. <laughs> it's, the, you know what? The biggest, you know, what would have been also fine, and I probably wouldn't feel the way I do right now, if they hadn't gone through the effort of calling in Overwatch Two, if they just released a fucking update for Overwatch One and said this is what Overwatch One is now, then I think that perception would have been absolutely fine. It's just rehashing. Like, the game's gone have. through. I the mean, game's... I'm sure there's like engine reasons why they couldn't have done that. Not really. Potentially, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, anything I don't believe so. Just so. because the download for Overwatch Two, if I remember, bolted onto Overwatch One and just pulled everything up. Okay. Yeah, like it wasn't like it was. Yes, there's new audio systems and the graphics look slightly better and there's new character models and stuff. But this is all stuff that just seems like they could have just applied it into Overwatch One, made Overwatch mm-hmm. One free to play, free to play and just kept going like they are now, I think people would have less issues. I I just think they have overall made the game just, yeah, it just feels like it's, it's, it's empty in terms of why is it called Overwatch 2? And it just goes back to the idea of the original idea of people being like, you know, at the time they were like, oh no, this is like a, a, a boxed game. This is a physical retail game. 
that we're going to sell to people that needs to have a different name. And it just once again shows that even like people still call back to Jeff Kaplan was the greatest person in the world and should have kept leading Overwatch. It's like, no, these same people thought, no, yeah, I'm going to keep ranting about this forever. I mm-hmm. think the same people thought, you know what, this game that we we accidentally made this first person team hero shooter that we made and got game of the year for in 2016. Now we don't want to do that. So we do want this to be an MMO eventually. So we're going to keep building it towards an MMO and just kind of see what we got with this FB, FBS well, thing. It sounds we... like they should have. They should have pivoted and kept no, on making no, no, this no. MMO. No, no, no. You know, keep what... Overwatch its own thing no, and then just go what... make your MMO. But that's the thing is, right? They wanted to pivot Overwatch into the MMO. If they had just kept Overwatch as its own thing and then be like, Jeff, go fucking run a different team to go make an Overwatch MMO. Fuck yeah. Do it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yes, disappointing. Fucking sucks. You've pissed yeah. me off. Thanks, Ash. You've done this to me on my no fucking problem. birthday. I <laughs> uh, gotta love it. Um, but yeah, that story stuff, that seems like pretty stingy if the, the wording's not right. You know, if, if a site like a Kotaku is not... Uh, including that the story missions you know, are technically free uh, for a limited time. Yes. It's kind of weird. Yes, it very much is. But also, read the fine print. It's not even the that stuff. It's just Be right here where it says permanent access to Overwatch 2 Invasion story missions. Yeah. 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 Just make smart choices. Uh, last story for this week. People Can Fly, the studio behind Bulletstorm Outriders, has signed a formal work-for-hire agreement with Microsoft to develop a new project based on one of Xbox Maker's IPs. Uh, the announcement came via a statement posted to Polish financial site Antonia Business, in which uh, People Can Fly notes the game, which has been given the pro- codename Project Maverick, will be fully funded by Microsoft with a budget of 30 to $50 million. As to what the mystery project could be, the most obvious guess would be some form of new entry in the Gears of War series. Given the studio's previous connections with the franchise, it co-developed Gears of War Judgment, along with its previous owner, Epic Games, in 2013, and was responsible for the game Windows port of the original Gears of War prior to that. Uh, Kieran, do you want to see People Can Fly make a Gears of War game, or is there something else that would be more interesting? Um... I feel like Gears of War is like kind of... Res- I don't know. It depends what they do, right? Because I thought Outriders was really interesting in terms of its variance on its different classes, mm-hmm. on the abilities you get access to and the changes to that. I think Gears would be very restrictive in that unless they add a bunch of extra like powers and stuff or abilities and gadgets to Gears, which you could in theory. Um, but then it, it, it's it's then Gears loses some of its, like, almost the, the the thing that makes it Gears, which is, like, very beefy, muscular men and women in these, like, tank top armor vests so their guns are out all the time, using chainsaws on the ends of their guns to cut into alien creatures. Like, it, it, it just... I, I almost want... Gears to stay simplified for that reason, and that's probably like a really dumb reasoning for me. <laughs> but like, it, it just feels like it would be. It would. I would be interested to see what they could do, but I don't think Gears of War needs that treatment. But what do you think they're working on then? 
Um, I, this Halo. is the thing, right? This is, it could be Halo, but I guess what the fuck is going on with Halo in general? Like Halo Infinite is very much not infinite. It's just dying a slow, painful death, really. Um, uh, this is the thing, right? <laughs> Microsoft has become such a an ocean of IPs that I find it really hard to pull out IPs to be like, yeah, you can make something out of this. Yeah, you can make something out of this. Like, I, I find it, even like, Gears is the obvious choice, but I just mm. don't know if Gears caters well or people uh, that uh, people can fly's talent is like best fit to a Gears IP. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Gears makes, obviously, it just makes the most sense because of their lineage. Um, but yeah, nothing else really springs to mind. I guess Halo would be an interesting one to like have a proper multiplayer co-op, like four-person experience, not involving Master Chief. I guess. Um, whether they 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 like, we're not sure what uh the team is doing <laughs> after Infinite. We don't. <laughs> we need might may need somebody else to come in and like breathe some new life into the franchise or whatever. Um, I don't even know 100% if they want to chase what they did with Outriders. It could be compl- something completely different. Yes, also that um, 100%. So, yeah. I guess I'm also just wait waiting on Gears of War 6, which eventually has to appear somewhere. Yeah, well, uh, um, apparently the Coalition has been uh, had a lot of jobless things. Um, of course, the Gears of War movie and TV series are in the works as well, so uh, maybe they do want more Gears of War content to go around that. Yeah, so. Alright, that's all the news. Um, yeah, and I guess that's it for this week's Arcade Couch. <laughs> Let us know what you thought about anything on the show by tweeting at us by going to exposure.com slash Twitter or jumping in Discord at exposure.com slash Discord. Uh, if you want to help us out here at Arcade Couch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Is five stars and you can leave five stars or just tell me about the show. And if you've liked this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our code page at explosion.com slash support and buy us a coffee. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll see you here next week. Same time. Same couch. Bye.